Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. This letter to the church at Philippi. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 for just a few moments this evening. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Let's stand before you get too comfortable here. All right. Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Paul writes, he says, be careful, that means anxious or worried, be careful for nothing. Everybody say nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And notice verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Father, thank you, Lord, for the peace speaker. Thank you for that peacemaker, the ultimate peacemaker between Man and God was Jesus Christ. And thank you for the fact that we can exchange our worry for God's peace. Thank you that this side of the stable, Lord, we can look back to that very place and just rejoice with exceeding joy in the peace that we have in Christ Help us to apply it and appropriate it to our lives. And uh, bless us tonight as we look to do just that through studying your word. In Jesus' name, all God's children shout amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Last week I said we started a new series called The Gift Exchange. It's really all about the exchanges that can take place in our relationship with God since Christ came At Christmas. I think tonight's topic is important because while this is called, what's this time called? What's this season called? It's called the most wonderful time of the year, right? How many know while it's the most wonderful time, we can agree that it's probably one of the most stressful times of the year. It's one of the most worrisome. Uh, Many families uh, become overextended. During this time, overextended relationally, uh, trying to get to everybody's house and make everybody happy, and this side of the family, and this side of the family, and uh, overextended emotionally, and sometimes financially, right? And so a lot of folks begin to shift into uh, kind of a survival mode uh, just to make it through. And so when I come to a topic like worry, uh, I, uh, I like to ask, first of all, 
What did Christ say about it? What did Christ say about it? Um, Christ actually addresses the topic of worry and stress. He really addresses it head on. In one of the most important sermons that he ever preached called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. For the sake of time, we won't read that, but let me, uh, let me give you the Reader's Digest version, okay? He says three things about worry in that passage, and I have them on the handout for you. Number one, worry is unnatural. When you look at nature, doesn't worry. Christ uh, used the flower in the field as an example, a lily. You never walk out on your lawn and see a dandelion stressing out over the cloudy day. Right? You'll never walk out and see a maple tree having a meltdown. No, it's not natural. Worry is unnatural. Nature doesn't worry. Number two, worry is not only unnatural, but it's unhelpful. It doesn't actually change anything. You can spend all night worrying, get up the next morning. The problem is there. It's not an ounce improved, right? You're just more tired because you stayed up all night, right? Christ said if you're worrying, and he used, I think, your, the example of uh, someone being short. He said you can't add an inch to your height so no use it, it worry is unhelpful it doesn't actually change anything thirdly a natural unhelpful but it's unchristian why you say that because it reflects a lack of faith it reflects a lack of faith now i think it would be good to remember these three points as we traverse through our study tonight <clears throat> let me give a first here a, f a few words of clarification because some folks don't really understand the difference between worry and caution okay there is a difference between worry and caution how many know we should be careful cautious of dangerous situations this is not what Christ or Paul is speaking about okay so, uh, it's not saying throw all caution to the wind. No. Uh, there's also a difference between worry and wisdom. Being careful, being conservative in our decision making doesn't mean that we're worrying. It might just mean we're wise. Okay? Uh, and... and we're also not talking about certain kinds of anxiety that have to do with trauma that a person has been through. Perhaps those issue, that issue may need approached differently than just, just a study on worry, okay? Um, but however, what we are talking about tonight is a kind of forbidden worry that is within our willpower to choose to avoid, Okay, this is what Paul, it's what Christ dealt with. Fact is, when we choose to worry, we are tormenting ourselves. And how many know we're actually doing the devil's job for him? 
I read recently uh, our teenagers here in America have uh, suffered dramatically with worry and anxiety. And they said that they can trace uh, their levels of worry and anxiety to how many social network sites they are a part of. Now, isn't that interesting? Because they're so wrapped up in projecting this perfect image, posting on Instagram the perfect picture. Hello. It is actually taking a toll in their minds. So, us younger folks, and yes, I put myself still among the younger folks. You say, well, this lesson is really doing, having to do with, the, no, this touches us all, right? Let me say this. If you're a Pentecostal believer who goes around worried, weighed down, burdened all the time, something's wrong. Hello? You may have had the faith in Christ for salvation, but something's wrong that you've not moved into walking in that faith daily. That's where Christ is wanting to get us. That's what he made possible for us. So, a recent survey uh, revealed that 90% of the respondents reported increased worry, increased frustration, increased anxiety as a result of this ongoing, open-ended, constant pandemic. Okay? How many know we thought we had been on the other side of it a long time ago? But with new variants coming out all the time, it's just... Ugh. And as a nation, we're feeling stressed and worried from various things like all the vaccine mandates, the constant threat to our health and our liberties, the fear of losing our employment if we don't take the vaccine. Then there's the uncertainty about what would happen to our loved ones if, if worst case scenarios played out. Whew. Worry is wreaking havoc in our present culture. Some time ago, an organization called the uh, Benedin Health uh, Organization commissioned a survey to study the most common sources of worry. And, uh, and, and I've got the top 10, and we'll count down from 10 to 1. Now, this is according to the, the Benedin Health Organization uh, survey. This was pre-COVID-19, okay? Uh, number 10 is diet. Number 9, job security. Number 8 rent or mortgage payment. Number seven, credit card debt. These are all things as Americans we, we worry about. Uh, number six, low energy levels. Number five, overdrafts and loans. Four, overall fitness. 
three, lack of savings and financial future. Number two, growing old. And number one, overweight. And I looked at all 10 of those, and the main observation about that list is that all 10 of these can fall into two categories. You can really condense them into two categories, health and finances, right? Health and finances are the two universal human concerns. They are <laughs> the two issues that will be with us as long as we live, health and finances. We're going to have to die in order to stop being concerned about money and health. So take these 10 common worries and add all the stress of COVID-19, because this, this list was pre-COVID, but you add the stress of this pandemic and, and the new strains coming out. No wonder folks are just finding themselves caught in that trap. It's a paralyzing trap of worry. And the same survey upon investigation determined that <clears throat> each week, uh, Americans spend uh, approximately 14 hours worrying. That translates into 744 hours of worry every year, which equals 45,000 hours of worry over a lifetime, which equals uh, 1,885 days in a lifetime spent doing nothing but worrying, which means that we spend five years of our life captured by this monster of worry. Now, for most people, it's not just one thing. It's many things that, you know, pile on and, and get all wrapped up and twisted together. It's the job, it's the school, it's the money, it's the work, it's the health, it's bills to pay, it's your spouse, it's your ex, it's your in-laws, it's your kids, and the list goes on, right? Any one thing we could probably handle, maybe even two things, but when you get five or six, your knees start to buckle. So let's define worry. Notice on your study guide, worry is allowing our mind to dwell on potentially negative outcomes beyond our actual control. Now, the word itself comes from an old English word, we're gone which means to strangle or to seize by the throat. Sorry for that violent picture I just put in your mind. But you need to see worry as a monster that wants to strangle you. Because it, it chokes and squeezes the mind of a man or woman. It squeezes our mind until we are so concerned about the problem that we cannot think of anything else. It is an all-consuming feeling of uncertainty and fear. So, worry is a sin for two reasons. First of all, it displaces God in our life. Someone might say, why make such a big deal out of worry? It's just a trivial sin. Well, I believe Christ, Paul, and the Scripture would disagree with that. Truth is, you know many cases of drunkenness Many cases of drug addiction are symptomatic of worry. And because of worry, many make foolish life decisions incurring very painful consequences. 
That's, that's just an example of how devastating worry can be. But more important than what worry does to us is what we are communicating about God. When we worry, we are saying, in effect, God, I just don't think I can trust you. Right? Worry strikes a blow at the very character of God. When we worry, we are living as though God does not exist. We are living as though we alone can solve our problems. I'm telling you, I don't want to try to solve my own problem. Listen, secondly, it distracts us from the things that really matter in life. As long as we are worrying, we can't do anything else. It's paralyzing. Naturally, strangulation debilitates us. That leads me to make this statement. We can worry or we can pray, but we can't do both at the same time. Worry and prayer are opposites in that they're like water and fire. So, <clears throat> calling worry a sin... We really need to understand its root, and that is why I have this statement on your handout. Worry is really a root form of idolatry. Because when we worry, the thing we're worried about has replaced God on the throne of our hearts. Now, as soon as a statement like that's made, many people bristle and they want to argue. And they say, well, you just don't know what I'm going through. Or... How can I be cheerful when my family's falling apart? Or, or if you lived with my spouse, you wouldn't be happy either. If you had my kids, they'd drive you nuts too. How can I not worry when I've got the latest COVID-19 variant? See, the key to overcoming worry is to enthrone Christ in our heart and mind and, and not allow the activity of all these other issues that I just said and used, for example, to dethrone him. Otherwise, our faith and focus has, has become hijacked, replaced by an idol. And, and let's use the remainder of our time now to examine what Paul has said in our text there in Philippians because it contains three things that I want to share with you. A prohibition, a precept, and a promise. Number one, a prohibition. In verse 6, part A, he says, Be careful or anxious or worried for what? Nothing. Paul says, don't worry about anything. We immediately want to say, Paul, you got to be kidding. We want to say, well, he wouldn't have said that if he was in my shoes. Well, if you investigate where Paul was when he wrote those words, you'll find it's interesting. Historians tell us he was in the Roman jail, chained to Roman guards 24-7. But when he writes this letter, you wouldn't know that, right? He has no complaints. Oh, sure, he had plenty to complain about, but he said nothing about it. His future was a dark mystery. He didn't know when or even if he was going to get out of that jail. He was at the mercy of Nero, who everybody knew was a bloodthirsty dictator. But Paul never mentions that. 
And so he says, be, be anxious or careful or worried for nothing. The word nothing is an exclusive word. How many knows that's an exclusive word? Paul says, we are to worry about nothing because we are to pray about everything. And we just saw that we can't do both. Somebody said worry is rat poison to the Christian life. It weakens our faith. It encourages our fears. It destroys our joy. It increases our doubts. It accomplishes nothing useful in the spiritual life. Worry makes us think we can predict the future when only God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It distracts us from uh, our legitimate duties and wrecks our testimony and leaves us exhausted and depressed. Worst of all, worry is contagious. It is contagious like a virus that quickly spreads, right? Puts a question mark where God has put a period. It's what worry does. How many's got a rocking chair at home? Worry's like a rocking chair. Remember that the next time you sit in your rocking chair. Worry's like a rocking chair in that it gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Somebody gave this bit of practical philosophy and advice. It goes like this. It says, worms eat you when you're dead. Worries eat you when you're alive. So number two, we move from the prohibition to uh, a precept, verse six, uh, the latter part of that verse. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, Paul gives us four precise instructions for how to deal with our worries. Number one, prayer. Everybody say pray. When we pray, we come face to face with the God of the universe. It's always best to pray about it instead of talk about it. How many times we get that reversed? We do an awful lot of talking about it and hardly little prayer about it. So prayers, we know, is the blueprint of a successful Christian life. During his time on earth, Christ, we find him multiple times throughout Scripture, departing and taking time aside to pray, spending uh, not only moments in prayer, but nights in prayer. He entrusted everything to God. He entrusted his reputation. He entrusted his life. How many know we can do the same? We don't have to explain the problem to him. We just need to give the problem to him. Let's not complicate prayer. Let's just have confidence in simple believing prayer when we come to God we don't have to convince him to hear us we don't have to chant we don't have to shout we don't have to burn incense or we don't have to ring bells we don't have to use a priest we don't have to offer a sacrifice we simply come as his child and he gladly hears us someone said prayer begins with our desire not our words Prayer is to the spiritual life what breathing is to the body and the lungs. Romans 8.26 reminds us that when we can't pray, there are times. I don't know how to pray about that. Sometimes all you can do is groan under the burden of life. But it is at that very moment that the Holy Spirit comes and He prays for us. Praise God. You've been there before. I have. 
One pastor said it this way, the slightest whisper on earth is shouted in the courts of heaven. If all we do is cry out, oh God, oh Jesus, go ahead and cry that out. That's enough because the Holy Spirit will fill in the blanks. Hmm? All right. So, so we're looking at these uh, four things underneath uh, point number two. So we've got prayer, then we've got supplication, which actually means petition. Now, now, what is a petition? A petition is, is a document that you make or have drawn up when you're in desperate circumstances and, and you, you sign it when changes need to be made. Okay, and in this verse, it means begging God for what you need. Think of, of prayer this way or supplication. If Christ were standing beside you, what would you ask him for? Or imagine the Lord saying to you, uh, calling you by name and saying, what do you want me to do for you? See, that's the question Christ asks. He asked it to blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. God blessed the blind man because he knew exactly what he wanted. He said, Rabbi, Master, I need to see. And the Lord loves it when we come to him with a precise request. So if you need a miracle, don't beat around the bush. Ask for one. Amen. Amen. Ask for one. There's no extra charge for large requests. Right? Number three, thanksgiving. Here's an important, important uh, antidote to worry. Pray with thanksgiving. I mean, why is this important? Because Paul is teaching us that worry and gratitude cannot coexist. Did you hear that? Worry and gratitude cannot coexist. Worry will drive out gratitude, or gratitude will drive out worry. How can we increase our gratitude? Several ways. Uh, a, a good one I like is quote a promise from the scriptures. How many know the word of God helps you overcome worrisome thoughts? God's word is stronger than doubt. It's stronger than negativism. It's stronger than unbelief. It can overcome the past, our past doubts, and lead us to uh, faith in our future. It's, I thought this afternoon, it is hypocritical to hear some believers claim to believe the sufficiency of Scripture, but then they live their lives as perpetual worriers. Because if we do that, we're saying one thing out of one side of our mouth. And another thing, out the other side, it's bizarre to say how much we believe the Bible and then worry about whether God is going to fulfill what he says in the word. Another way to increase our gratitude, listen to some anointed music. Spirit, Holy Spirit inspired music. And just begin to remember God's faithfulness. And his goodness. See, worry and worship, once again, are opposites. And it'd be a lot better if we learned to become worshipers instead of worriers. Worry opens the door to the devil, but worship slams the door shut. 
Hmm? And sometimes when we don't have what we need or, or want, the enemy comes in and he tries to discourage us and keeps us from worshiping God. But when we know that God has our best interests at heart, you can worship regardless of your circumstances. Amen. The next time Satan causes you to be gripped by worry, I want to challenge you tonight. Stop what you're doing and just start praising God. Amen. Worship is a spiritual weapon. It's a spiritual warhead that you can use against the enemy. Our worship will get heaven's attention and we won't have to fight that battle alone. Praise God. Finally, here's another little nugget. Hang out with grateful people. Don't hang out with grumpy folks. How many know there's plenty of grumpy folks in our world? We have to deal with them, but we don't have to spend all day with them, thank God. Find some grateful folks and hang out with them. An ungrateful heart is a cold heart, but gratefulness will melt those icebergs in your heart. Ingratitude destroys the joy of the Lord. Thanksgiving will bring it back. Number four, request. Notice what Paul says there. And, and the word request there, boy, it's pretty broad, isn't it? It covers the whole waterfront of life, so to speak. It includes both our daily prayers, urgent cries for help. It makes, I mean, we make our requests known when we, when we pray in church, when we pray during our quiet time. The term request covers even the, the little pointed prayers that we shoot up during the day when all we can do is quickly say, help me, Lord. The Lord invites us. Pray about everything. Somebody said, there's no detail too small for the Lord because he reads the fine print of life. If it touches us, it touches him. What we consider trivial is not trivial to him. God reads the fine print. How many remember that old gospel song, Jesus on the Main Line? I haven't sung that in a while. Well, I mean, that tune and the lyrics kind of stick with you. Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Then comes the refrain. Call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. Then this verse. If you need healing, tell him what you want. If you're feeling down and out, tell him what you want. The Apostle Paul would, would wholeheartedly agree with that. Don't wait for things to get better. Take your little cares and worries to the Lord before they become big ones. Call him up. Tell him what you want. Okay, jumping back out in your outline, number three, a promise. Verse 7 offers us a powerful promise to claim the peace of God, Paul says, which passeth, which means transcends all understanding, shall keep, everybody say keep, your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So when we take our burdens to the Lord, he replaces our worries with, with something much greater, Peace that transcends human understanding. Now, the word keep there means guard. It's a military term used as a soldier stands at a gate. He's a watchman. And when we follow God's plan, God sends his peace to stand guard where? At the door of our heart. 
at the door of our mind. When peace guards our minds, we stay calm when the whole world can be going cuckoo around us. Listen, when peace stands guard, we can have joy even when things are breaking apart. God's peace delivers us from bitterness and despair and anger and dishonesty and greed and pessimism. See, it transcends understanding because it comes down from heaven to the believing heart. We can't define this peace, but we can know when we've got it. Huh? We can have it when we really need it. There's no secret that we must discover. There's no top secret code that we got to break to get it. God's peace can be ours if we lay hold on Christ by faith. Amen? So here it is. Here's the big exchange for today. You can have the peace of God instead of your worries. Make that exchange tonight. If you're worried about your kids or your grandkids, God offers you peace. If you're anxious about the test results from the doctor, you can have peace while you wait. Amen. God's peace can guard your heart. Guard your mind. God issues that invitation to every one of us. He says, bring your worries, bring your cares, bring your burdens, bring your anxieties. Bring them all to me. Take your burdens to the Lord. Why should we lug their heavy weight around when Christ has offered to carry them for us? Charles Tinley wrote that song, If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along and meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord. Leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he'll surely lead you out. Take your burden to the Lord. After speaking on that topic, a dear lady told her pastor, I was reading about this week. She doesn't have any problem casting her burdens on the Lord. She said, my problem, Pastor, is that I keep pulling my burdens back like a fisherman that throws out a line into the water and then reels it back again. How many can identify with that? Huh? Not all of us. No, not one of us really knows what tomorrow holds. We've all learned in the last few months, haven't we? That our plans and God's plans aren't always the same. But we still don't have to give way to fear. Why? Because our future is in his hands. Praise God. We're going to be okay no matter what. Hard times, folks, reveal what we believe. Anyone can trust the Lord when life is good and you're sipping lemonade in the shade and got it made. No, when, when, when life is good and nobody's sick and you got plenty of money in the bank and the church is happy and healthy and, and the kids and the grandkids are all doing well. But it's a big challenge to rejoice and give thanks and walk by faith when everything takes a turn. And the boss says, we're going to have to let you go. 
So the question becomes, will we trust the Lord or will we, will we give in to worry? Our answer goes a long way to determine our impact because how many know our family knows when we're worrying? Our friends can tell when we worry. Listen, the world wants to know if what we believe is truly real. And they're going to find that out by realizing if we can handle hard times or not. Hmm? Are we still going to trust Christ in the uncertain days? Will we allow God's peace to guard our hearts in uncertain days? Truth is, we've got a great future because we've got a great God. Let me say that again. We've got a great future because we've got a great God. In conclusion, we can dwell on problems or we can dwell on promises. Right? When we let Christ be king, live a day at a time, lean on the faithfulness of God, He has promised to guard our heart with the centennial of peace. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't waste another day of your life worrying. Determine that your responsibility... Hey, we've all got responsibilities, don't we? But the problem is when we try to take on God's responsibility. You got to know where your responsibility ends and His begins, right? When we do what we can, God will step in and do what we can't. Hallelujah. I said, when we do what we can do, God will step in and do what we can't. So give yourself your worries to God. Begin enjoying the abundant life that He's made available. Oh, somebody praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, tonight, we do not pray for a lighter load. We just ask for stronger shoulders. Deliver us from worry, the worry that strangles us. Deliver us from the care that consumes us, from the anxiety that overwhelms us. Oh, God, help each and every one of us here tonight to cast our cares on the Lord and leave them in His hands. Give us hearts that is peaceful and happy because we know that you will carry our burdens because we don't have to. We rejoice because your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Oh, stand with me, church, and take a moment and praise him. Oh, would you do that? Take a moment and praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Take out a hymn book, if you will, and turn to page 363. 363. I like the first verse especially. It speaks to what we've been talking about. It says, I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. But notice this, the Lord I know ruleth over everything. And all my worry is vain. Hello. Like that rocking chair. You can have a lot of motion, but it ain't going to get you anywhere. Right? Your worry is vain. Let's sing it. 
I care not today what tomorrow may bring if shadow or sunshine or rain for the Lord I know ruleth o'er everything and all of my worry is vain living by faith oh trusting confiding in his great love think about it I'm living by faith And I feel no alarm Think of this verse 2 Though tempests may blow And the storm clouds arise Obscuring the brightness of life I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies The master looks on at the strife I'm living by faith in Jesus above. Well, I'm trusting, confiding in His great love. And from all hearts safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. this to be reality I know that he safely will carry me through no matter what evil betide why should I then care though the tempest may blow if Jesus walks close to my side oh hallelujah help us to live by faith tonight Trusting, confiding in His great love, and from all harm safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith. Oh, let's finish it up with that last verse. Think about it. Our Lord will return to this earth some sweet day. Our troubles will then our be. Oh, we ought to rejoice. The Master so gently will lead us away beyond that blessed heaven. That's the hope of believers. Living by faith in Jesus above. are open you want to spend a few moments you're welcome to pray you gotta go god bless you thank you for being here we at broadway want to say thank you for joining us in worship today via online we want to invite you to like our Facebook page as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. And please, if you don't mind, share us across your social media platforms. Let me just say a quick prayer of blessing 
today as we just conclude our time together in this video. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this avenue of worship that we have to utilize our online tools and furthering your gospel, furthering your kingdom. I pray that you would bless those who have tuned in today. Keep your hand on them. Minister to their hearts. Minister to their minds. And God, just do a work in their lives. We love you, Jesus, and we praise your holy name. Amen.